Well, hello everybody and welcome to a, another UK Motor Talk Grand Prix review podcast. My name is Jim and I'll be taking you through all the thrill spills and talking points of the 2022 Canadian Grand Prix. Following on the brutal schedule at the moment we seem to be in the middle of, we had Baku last week, uh, we've had Canada the weekend just gone, uh, it's the Goodwood Festival of Speed this weekend, uh, next weekend it is Silverstone and the weekend after that is Austria. So. Uh, although Goodwood represents not the, uh, I very much doubt it will be the race teams and the uh, and the top brass there. It's still a, a weekend where lots of the current Formula One drivers will be in attendance. And uh, although it's previous cars and things like that, it's still a weekend away for the race team. So it's a uh, it's a fairly brutal schedule at the moment for everyone involved. And just as the uh, the action is coming thick and fast every weekend, it was a fairly action packed weekend overall. Covid has certainly put the the mockers on travelling to Canada in the past couple of years, so it was a, a very welcome return to what is a, what is a classic track and what is a very enjoyable track, both for the drivers to race on and to watch a race there as well. So it was actually quite a, an action-packed build-up and couple of practice sessions and qualifying as well. Past couple of Grand Prix, I think, have been fairly steady in the build-up and then uh, slightly predictable qualifying sessions, even if the, the top couple of grid positions were down to the last-minute runs. They were uh, just sort of action all the way through the weekend, really. In the build-up, we learned that Leclerc would be starting from the back of the grid as he'd had various power units replaced. Various bits had, uh, had lunched themselves in considerable fashion at Baku last time out. So he was staring at uh, at sizable penalties. So he took the view fairly early on to uh, to start at the back. Uh, we'd had a lot of rain in the build-up to the weekend. There was uh, some biblical thunderstorms on the Thursday, I believe. I'd seen a few pictures. So the, the track fairly green for free practice one and two in dry conditions. So fairly straightforward, not too much drama going on there. Verstappen setting the pace and, and looking fairly imperious, but free practice three was uh, was wet it was very very wet but we actually got to see quite a lot of cars and drivers on track they didn't do the usual hide in the garage and and let a few people go out but don't really do much as the forecast for qualifying looked to be very wet indeed so having that free practice session in wet was crucial to the drivers to get some practice in for qualifying and wet qualifying was all the drivers started out on wets in the first part of qualifying. Early sort of pace was was a one thirty five. Say Shalonzo had, had set a one thirty three in free practice three on inters. So my thoughts early on were that that was kind of the crossover point. Russell setting some very good early pace on the full wets. And at the end of Q1, we lost Sonoda, Homeboy, Latifi, Homeboy, Stroll, we lost as well, Vettel and Gasly. Bit of a shock to see the pair of Aston Martins out. Vettel looked like he was he was going very well in free practice three, but seemed at a bit of a loss to where the pace in the car had gone. And Lance Stroll has certainly shown some good performances in wet conditions before, so I was quite uh, quite surprised with uh, with who we lost in Q1. Rolling into Q2 then, pretty much all the drivers seem to leave the pits on inters, with Albon and Perez going pretty much straight off, so it seemed. Albon managed to recover and get back onto the track all okay, but Perez 
couldn't get out of the the barrier that he'd wedged himself in uh, couldn't quite see if it was a gearbox issue couldn't get it in reverse and then on the uh, the dashboard on the screen on the steering wheel he had it in reverse but didn't see the wheels actually attempt to move at all so whether there was a gearbox issue uh, whether it was just completely and utterly stuck in the barrier not too sure it, it did look like when the the truck came along to pull it out of the barrier it was fairly well wedged in there so i think even if he had managed to get it in gear cold intermediates on wet grass i don't think he'd have dug it out of there anyway uh, but we had a, a bit of a delay and then uh, as soon as we got going again everybody uh, the entire field were out on inters the track had stayed fairly wet uh, we hadn't had any extra rain since the start of the session uh, but it was staying fairly wet as it tends to in canada once it's rained a little bit we just had that wonderful timing screens looking like a, a fruit machine as every single driver just seemed to go quicker whoever crossed the line looked to have gone quicker than the car before them so that's always always good to see and just timing your last run to uh, to be the last man over the line just before the checkered flag falls is is always key but Leclerc didn't venture out I don't think he saw any point at that stage so we uh, so we lost him we lost Lando Norris who'd had a few power unit issues we lost Perez as well Albon and Bottas so heading into Q3, and we had Guan Yu Zhou getting into Q3 for the first time. So he was he was fairly impressed with himself, and quite rightly so. He'd driven brilliantly in, in Q1 and Q2. Very well indeed to get into Q3, just, just keeping it nice and calm and on the track and building up the tyres and, and getting the heat in them and, and put a lap in when it counted. Saw lots of drives just head out, circulating, 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 just, just getting a feel for it, ramping up the pace slowly but surely, just building the heat in the tyres and and the confidence picking out where where the grip was increasing where the drier line was emerging we actually had george russell try a set of slicks to see how he got on i think it was a, a hero or zero moment and he said afterwards if uh, if he could do it again or he had the chance to run it again then he would have done the same thing again and and why not indeed to be honest uh, the mercedes team hadn't looked particularly particularly good in the run-up and in the practice sessions and there was the uh, the change in technical directive which uh, we'll get on to very shortly hadn't looked to have uh, have helped them at all and was looking like it was going to be a reasonably severe performance hindrance for the Mercedes team but he was uh, he was going well until uh, until he tried slicks and went off so we duly had a uh, Verstappen pole position Alonso popping up into P2 carrying on his his good form from free practice three uh, Carlos Sainz in third Hamilton fourth Kevin Magnussen fifth Mick Schumacher sixth Ocon seventh George Russell in eighth is Gamble not working Ricardo in ninth and Guan Yu Zhou rounding out the top ten uh, just a couple of shout outs at this stage it was a, a stunning stunning lap from Alonso and a hell of a reaction from the crowd I think ev everybody in Formula One and everybody at the circuit seemed to like that lap and he, uh, he certainly seemed fired up and a, a bit mischievous as well uh, saying in the uh, in the post qualifying interview that he reckoned he'd be leading into turn one, whatever happened, he reckoned Verstappen would get him very shortly afterwards. But whatever happened, he wanted to try and lead into uh, into turn one. Great lap from Kevin Magnussen. 
up there and uh, and a stunning lap as well from Mick Schumacher. He's had a, a reasonable amount of pressure on his shoulders over the last couple of weeks due to, uh, to accidents and pace and a few other bits and pieces. So very, very tricky conditions. Would have been very easy to put one wheel in the wrong place to, to lock a brake at an inopportune time and send it skidding off the road and into the barrier. And indeed, much more experienced people than he made mistakes up until this point. And uh, he didn't look to put a foot wrong, really. So... Uh, well done to Mick. Uh, but just on the subject of the uh, the technical changes in the run-up to the weekend, uh, porpoising or oscillations, think of it its technical term, uh, lots of the drivers and Mercedes drivers, Lewis in particular, seem to be suffering from back pain after Baku stated in the car they were struggling to see. Uh, struggling to pick out braking points and, and having difficulty getting out of the car at the end of the race. The FIA took the view on safety grounds that they would, uh, they'd be measuring this oscillation uh, and imposing limits or issuing warnings to the teams that they were, uh, they were over the limit and to sort it ASAP. If they didn't sort it ASAP, then the FIA would be looking at raising the ride height by 10 millimetres. Uh, at a time, I think, in in effect, just to to try and remove some of the ground effect downforce. The ground effect, of course, being the reason for the porpoising. The uh, the closer the car gets to the ground, the greater the downforce builds up until the point where it hits the ground, and then all that downforce disappears. So the car springs back up again, and then as the downforce builds up, it drags it back down. It hits the ground the downforce disappears and, and so on and so forth. It seems to happen in, in pretty much every car to a greater or lesser extent, but the Mercedes seems to be the most violent, the most uncontrollable, the most sudden build-up of downforce, and then the sudden hitting of the ground and the sudden disappearing of the downforce makes the problem much, much worse for the Mercedes. So the the FIA have, have basically said, get a handle on it, Otherwise, we will we will start raising the ride height, which will cost you performance. A certain amount of consideration, I think, needs to be made for driver safety at this point. If you're getting to the stage where you're smashing your spine to pieces, that's no good for a driver. I think, uh, uh, was it Damon Hill had said uh, in the past, his team boss would have said, well, if you want to come for your ride, just sit on your wallet and get on with it. So although there is a bit of that, well, you are the best paid drivers in the world, so get on with it when you're hitting i think it was in excess of 10 g the uh, the mercedes was experiencing that does get to the stage where it's simply not safe and and you are going to have an accident if you're doing that and it's no good for the performance so uh, you know are you better off dialing out that peak aero performance uh, and that maximum theoretical pace for the fact that you can actually drive the thing without it hitting the ground every two seconds and, and throwing you off into the scenery? I think you're probably better off with a slightly slower but more consistent, comfy and easier to drive car, but that's just me. So race day rolled around, or race evening as it was for us in the UK. I do like the uh, the American-based races, as you you still get the entire day to do whatever you want, and the uh, on-track action seems to be on around about dinner time, which is uh, which is quite good timing, really. Uh, but it was certainly much nicer, warmer weather for race day. Uh, all of the top ten starting on mediums, and then a mix of mediums and hards down for the next ten cars. Track, I think, was uh, was looking very very green. All of uh, all of the rain would have washed away the rubber that had built up. So. Um, it kind of makes sense to uh, to start on the the harder, the medium, or the harder of the compounds you've got available to you. Tire management, tire graining, etc., would would be key to the race. But all uh, all quite neat and tidy at the start. Alonso 
not uh, not quite managing to uh, lead Verstappen into the first corner. Verstappen got the perfect getaway, really. Even somebody of Alonso's calibre, I don't think he was ever going to try a dive bomb into uh, into turn one and and starting on the wrong side of the grid as well. If he was going to send it up the inside, Verstappen just uh, a perfect getaway and and held the perfect line into uh, into turn one and off he went. Uh, Mick Schumacher dropping a couple of places back uh, initially at the start, but everybody else looked fairly neat and tidy. Science third behind Alonso in the opening stages, uh, but as soon as DRS was activated here, he seemed to breeze past him fairly easy and, and set about just keeping a watching brief behind Verstappen. Very, very close between Hamilton and Magnussen on lap one. I didn't think initially, looking at the uh, replays, there was any contact, but I think there must have been as Magnussen got a slightly damaged front wing end plate, and that was flapping about in the breeze just a, a couple of laps later. Magnussen getting passed by Russell and then getting the, uh, getting the meatball flag, the black and orange flag, to say, come in and... and fix the bits and pieces that are falling off your car. As we'd said at the beginning, green track and uh, tyre management would be key. Only about five or six laps in, Science was complaining of, of graining on his tyres, just the uh, you know the, the surface of them opening up as it's sliding around and, and can't quite grip on the uh, on the green track. But yeah, five or six laps in is, is a little bit early even with, uh, with medium tyres. We had Perez uh, lasted not much longer than that, didn't really need to worry about tyres. Perez, always a driver, traditionally very good on tyres. Uh, I think we were robbed of seeing how he'd feature in the race later on. His uh, his legendary tyre tire whispering, tyre management skills would have no doubt come into play later on in the race. Uh, to see him out on, on lap nine with a loss of drive was uh, certainly heartbreaking for him, but I think did uh, remove a little bit of entertainment from the race later on. Many noises have been made in the run-up to the race about Perez, championship contender, etc. Whether he feels that's over now or Ripple will say, oh well, with that latest DNF, Verstappen's got a lead, so it needs to be him we back. I'm uh, I'm not quite sure. We'll see how that develops. Uh, but we do got a, a virtual safety car for that. So we had, uh, even though it's very early into the race, we had uh, a few drivers pit at that stage wanting to, uh, to get rid of the tyres they were on. Uh, Verstappen, Hamilton, Sonoda, Latifi all pitted. Verstappen coming out in P3, uh, with Sainz leading the way from Alonso. Uh, Hamilton got past Esteban Ocon fairly quickly. Verstappen getting past Alonso fairly quickly as well, uh, about lap 15. I think he'd managed to get past him and was stalking Sainz at that stage. A bit further back down the field, uh, really, really good scrap between Albon, Bottas and Leclerc. Albon getting passed by two cars in quick succession, actually, into the last chicane and turn one. But a good scrap between all three of them. As we got on to lap 15, lots of the lap times had dropped off by quite a few seconds. It, it looked like any tyres that were still circulating had looked fairly done for at that stage. But uh, Sainz seemed to uh, seem to get through the graining stage, just seemed to manage the tyres well enough through that stage. Oh, his lap time started to drop again, as did most of the field. But then at this stage we had a, a virtual safety car for Mick Schumacher. He just got overtaken by Joe and as, uh, as that happened the car just conked out and, and died a death. Real, real shame for Mick. You could hear the um, hear the the pain in his voice and his race engineer's voice as well actually. He'd, he'd been going absolutely superbly up until that stage. Certainly looked on for uh, for a decent haul of points or a point or two which, uh, which I think would have done his confidence a world of good and got got a bit of the monkey off his back just heartbreaking but i think he uh, i think he put in a really good performance and uh, even if ultimately the points didn't come i uh, i don't think that'll get held against him in uh, in the grand scheme of things he did very very well this weekend
We had uh, a few more drivers pit this time round. Uh, Russell along with Ocon, Joe, Ricardo, Norris, Vettel and Sainz all in. Slow stop for Ricardo and a very, very slow stop for Norris. Sticky wheel nut for Ricardo and just the tyres not being ready and a bit of confusion for Lando Norris. The, uh, the left front tyre seemed to go on and then come off again. McLaren not looking quite at their slick, operationally excellent best this weekend. I think they've, uh, they've got a bit of searching and a bit of digging to do before Silverstone to, uh, to try and get a few things in order. Uh, otherwise, they're at, uh, at risk of being overtaken by Alpine probably as, as soon as Silverstone, I would think, actually. Uh, but Leclerc had worked his way up to uh, to seventh by this stage, having not stopped, uh, doing very well from starting at the back of the grid. Looking nice and, and racy and elbows out. Uh, good move on to Bottas into the final. Actually, it was a great move on, uh, on Bottas into the final chicane. Real heart-in-mouth stuff, because the uh, final chicane in the champion's wall on the exit is uh, one of those corners that's got a bit of a reputation in Formula 1 for biting you if you're even a couple of inches offline. So any overtaking move into that last chicane does, uh, does deserve a round of applause, it has to be said. Uh, and then shortly after that, we had uh, we had Science breezing past Alonso to uh, to retake second position. Alonso's pace had seemed to drop off a bit at this stage. He hadn't taken any of the opportunities to pit under any of the virtual safety car periods. I'm not quite sure that that was the best overall strategy. Hindsight always being uh, being a good thing, but just trying to manage his his tyres and and extend stints as much as he could. But I think at this stage he was around about two seconds a lap slower. So. It, it doesn't take many laps before you uh, you make back all the time that you lose in the pit stop just by not driving around two seconds a lap quicker. But Alonso not uh, not not wanting to stop under any of the virtual safety car periods uh, where a stop loses you that little bit less time compared to all your competitors just stopping on lap 29 in, in clear green flag conditions for a set of hard tyres and trying to go to the end on those. Leclerc seemed to uh, seemed to get kind of stuck behind Ocon at this stage at, at half distance. He still hadn't stopped either, so his, uh, his very good march early on was uh, a little stymied at this stage. Good pace from the, the Alpine being one factor, and I think the, uh, the lack of grip and, and tyres just being a little bit past their best kind of stopped his progress. So uh, Ferrari responded to that reasonably quickly, pitted him on lap 42. Bit of a slow stop, just uh, delayed a little bit enough that he came out behind Danny Rick. I think he would have been at least two, if not three places higher if it wasn't for the slow stop. So didn't quite drop out into the right place in traffic, unfortunately. But we had Verstappen pitting again very shortly afterwards, Sainz taking back over the lead again. Verstappen uh, coming out just behind Hamilton, really, really close with Hamilton. Actually, I think uh, Verstappen had to back out of it slightly on the uh, the exit of the pit lane. Otherwise, there would have probably been a collision there. Verstappen frustrated on on the radio, saying, "You know, why would you pit me if I'm going to come out behind him?" And it was it was a fairly short, snappy answer of, "You didn't have the pace." We did. If there was a response to that, we didn't hear it. So it's uh, it's kind of fair enough. But it didn't take long before Lewis was uh, was out of the way of Verstappen and he was free to uh, to chase again. He pitted on the following lap. So yeah, it didn't actually cost Verstappen any time in the grand scheme of things. And uh, and if he was going to vent back on the radio, the fact Lewis got out of his way, I think probably stopped that. Science at this stage looking like he was going to try a one stop, just seeing if he could eat the tyres out. But he needed 
what, 50 laps on the hard tyres, which I think was a bit of an ask, but uh, Bottas and Stroll at this stage, neither of those had stopped, and, and they were on 46 laps, and their pace was looking reasonable, so it was certainly possible at this stage. But we had uh, Danny Rick overtaking Sonoda, Sonoda dropping straight into the pits, following the overtake, and then straight off on the exit of the pits into the barrier, and it looked, it, it was initially called as, uh, as just coming out on cold tyres and, and understeering straight off. I think, just just having a look, and I haven't read anything that confirms this afterwards, just watching the replays again a couple of times, I'm, I'm not sure he didn't have a mechanical failure. If uh, if, if you've got the opportunity, or have, have a look on YouTube at the uh, the highlights, you'll just see as he comes out of the pits, the, the right front doesn't seem to be turning to me. It's, and, and when I say turning, not, not rotating with the brakes, he locked up, but he only locked up when he went off onto the grass. Uh, just as he puts that right-hand lock on, you can see the... The steering angle of the left-hand front tyre change, but the right it doesn't seem to turn enough. Whether it's a function of the, the steering geometry of the car, I haven't particularly picked up on before. Now I'll pay closer attention to uh, the AlphaTauri steering in the future. But just it looked to me like the right front wasn't doing any turning at all. So, um, but I didn't see anything afterwards to say that's why he was out of the race. But uh, out of the race, so he was. And at this stage, very quickly flashed up. Norris got a five-second penalty for speeding in the pit lane, but that was no attention was really paid to that. As it all kind of kicked off with the race lead and, and signs who'd just been told over the radio that his safety car pit window was open so he duly pitted as the window was open and the safety car was out Ocon, Alonso, Bottas, Albon, Guan Yuzhou and Danny Rick also pitting at this stage. We had Verstappen take over the lead again. Safety car peeled in and, and Verstappen a very calm, very steady restart. A few changes of rules to uh, to stop well Verstappen doing Verstappen things when he's in P2 P3 or a bit lower down to say that you can't pull alongside, weave, etc. and do, you know, too many leery or silly things behind the safety car. So uh, not that he had to as he was leading, but led away very calmly into uh, into turn one and off he went. Good couple of scraps and battles further down the field. But Verstappen just sort of very quickly pulled out uh, a nearly one second lead, just over one second lead, actually. Looked like he'd broken the DRS train and off he'd gone very early. Uh, but just as DRS was reinstated, uh, science pulled that lead back so I think he'd spent a couple of laps charging his battery building his tyres back up and binding his time just as DRS came back and he dropped under that one second gap which was crucial and Leclerc carrying his uh, his march back on up dive bombing Alonso into the hairpin getting past Ocon into the uh, the final chicane but ran a bit wide but got back on the track all again got past into the hairpin a lap later but up front for the last, whatever, 10, 12 laps, whatever it was, really, really, really good cat and mouse racing between Sainz and Verstappen. It was edge of your seat stuff to uh, to see the gap come down and then Sainz would be able to pull up just that little bit closer, but not quite close enough. I think if the Ferrari just had that slight bit of traction out of the hairpin, it would have been even closer or possibly a different outcome. But really, really, really good racing between them and just watching the gap come up, come down. I think at one point Verstappen had even broken the, the DRS train again, but... Science got it back reasonably quickly, but again, just I think a testament to the the rules and the tyres and the aerodynamics and and how we are this year that we we could have a good ten twelve laps of both guys up front absolutely flat out. Science being able to follow and and not cook his tyres, overheat his tyres, the the aerodynamics and the rules giving him the grip he needed to have to give us a what was a thrilling end to a, to a thrilling weekend of action.
Verstappen duly taking the win from Carlos Sainz. Lewis haven't, haven't really spoken too much about Lewis actually in the race. To be fair, as a um, not anonymous, he uh, he certainly made some very good overtaking moves when it counted and taken advantage of various virtual safety car and safety car periods and played the strategy fairly well and the Mercedes car just looking that bit better dialed in and that little bit less bouncy took a uh, cracking podium with George Russell not far behind him in fourth Leclerc managing to work his way up to fifth which from uh, starting at the back of the grid was uh, fairly good damage control I think from him and a nice aggressive drive to get there Ocon crossing the line in sixth Alonso just behind him in seventh. Both the Alpines, I think, nursing a couple of issues towards the end. And afterwards it emerged, yeah, the plan was for Ocon to hold Alonso up so that Alonso was close enough to him to get the DRS so that on the straights Bottas couldn't overtake him because they'd all get stuck in a DRS train. So whether that was quite conveyed to the drivers properly, I think Alonso was a bit frustrated in the car, but maybe when they had the debrief afterwards, he'd, uh, he'd see the merits of the strategy because it, well, it, it worked from a crossing the line point of view. But Alonso, uh, just after the race, was awarded... Uh, awarded? always seems to be odd to uh, to be awarded a penalty award is normally something you'd earn but given anyway a uh, a five second penalty uh, which dropped him to ninth in the finishing order actually and promoted Bottas and Guanajuato above him into seventh and eighth so Alonso classified ninth Lance Stroll in tenth again quite a race but reasonably steady and, and managed to stay out of trouble Danny Rick a disappointing 11th and a disappointing weekend for McLaren really Vettel up to 12th Alex Albon 13th Pierre Gasly a disappointing 14th Norris an even more disappointed 15th Latifi again I would say probably a disappointed 16th for his first and probably his last home Grand Prix uh, and Kevin Magnussen crossing the line last and uh, failed to finish uh, Sonoda Mick Schumacher and Perez as we've discussed so we'll just have a quick uh, look at the championship standings. I don't think it's changed too much in uh, in the terms of the order of things. Probably changed uh, a few gaps here and there. Let's do the uh, the top five in the drivers. We've got Carlos Sainz in fifth on 102 points. George Russell, 111 points in fourth. Charles Leclerc dropping further off, uh, 126 points in third place. Sergio Perez, 129 points in second place, and Max Verstappen just stretching his legs even more slowly but surely on 175 points out in the lead. So no surprise, Red Bull leading the way in the constructors, 304 points to Ferrari's 228 points. Uh, Mercedes still looking fairly strong actually in, in third on 188 points there car issues and drivability and porpoising and ruining their drivers' backs. They're, uh, they've still got a decent haul of points. McLaren uh, still in fourth, but not by much. They're on 65 points. Alpine in fifth on 57 points. And actually with Alfa Romeo, only a few points behind them with 51 points in sixth. So a, uh, a good weekend for Alpine or Alfa. Uh, Alpha getting a double points finish this weekend could uh, could see McLaren slip from that fourth fairly quickly unless they can um, get their act together. A bit of a, a contrast to where you'd expect from their pre-season testing form. They uh, certainly need to pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, but Mercedes, I mean, a final talking point of the weekend are Mercedes back. I'm not quite sure they're back. Well, I'm not sure they ever really went away properly that much. But in uh, in terms of uh, pace relative 
to Red Bull and Ferrari. Not quite back. I think it's uh, I think it's very track specific. The uh, the smoother the track, the better it is. And there's a couple of high speed sections in Canada that had recently been resurfaced. So I think that just played into Mercedes' strengths or or downplayed their weaknesses, depending on which way you want to look at it. The smoothness of the corner just meant that that porpoising a bit less. The the bumps in Baku exacerbating the porpoising problem, as well as the aerodynamic oscillation. If you're getting an oscillation through the road surface and uh, you happen to hit the two worst points of each at the same time, well, that's that's probably how you end up with 10g of uh, vertical oscillation and a ruined spine for your driver. So. How will they go next time out? Silverstone, relatively flat, relatively smooth. In theory, they'll go well there. But whether I think Mercedes' problems are all done and dusted or they're heading in the right direction, I'm not too sure. I certainly think they've made progress, but they've got a way to go. And and unfortunately, you can't rely on every track being resurfaced between now and next year to make your car concept work. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on at Silverstone. But I think Silverstone might be a slight outlier in terms of pace. But I suppose if uh, if you've got two British drivers and, and popular drivers, as Lewis and George are, then, um, well, if you're going to go well anywhere, then why not go well at Silverstone? So fingers crossed for a good result for the uh, the two home drivers from Mercedes next time out at Silverstone. Before we get round to uh, Silverstone for a Grand Prix weekend, we've got the Goodwood Festival of Speed. There'll be a few of us from the UK Motor Talk clan attending at various points over the weekend. We've got plenty to uh, to look forward to at Goodwood. It's, it's always a cracking event, the Festival of Speed. I've been, uh, I think my first year was 90... I want to say 1996, something like that. And I think since then I've missed maybe three or four the weather in the UK being rather nice at the moment. Fingers crossed it stays like that for Goodwood. You always seem to come away either with uh, with sunburn or trench, but never anything in between. So uh, fingers crossed the uh, the nice weather stays with us and, uh, and we can look forward to uh, what should be a jam-packed weekend of motoring and motorsport. We'll try and bring you the uh, the best coverage that we can from uh, from around about the weekend. A couple of highlights I've got to uh, to look forward to. Looking forward to seeing the Radfords in person, if we can, Jensen Button's Endeavour. Um, well, to be fair, anything with Jensen Button's name attached to it has got to be uh, got to be reasonably good. Uh, but he'll he'll be making an appearance on the Lotus stand as well, chatting about the Amira. So I'll be keen to go along and have a look at that if we can. But I think there'll be a, more of a push towards electrification as well. We've had the last couple of years where the fastest car of the entire weekend has been an EV, and as we know, and as we talk about regularly on the podcast, the uh, the entire country is having to move rapidly towards EVs. But a, a weekend of watching some particularly leery, particularly stonking EVs hauled themselves up the hill at, uh, at silly speeds, I think only serves to, uh, to whet the appetite. Bit of a slight aside in EV news, and I'm sure again we'll, uh, we'll discuss this in our, in our normal podcast with more of us. I'm uh, a little bit excited this week about rumours of an electric MR2. Toyota have, uh, have said they want to bring the, uh, the mid-engine rear-wheel drive two-seater runabout car back at, at what is supposedly, in inverted commas, an affordable or accessible price point. What? that quite means in EV terms. I'm not sure my instinct is probably about £40,000. Whether you view that as being accessible or not is um, is obviously entirely dependent on your personal circumstances, but um, £40,000 for a, an all-electric vehicle is, I suppose, more accessible than, than some electric vehicles. But of course, if it's uh, if it's particularly good residually and the monthly payments are sensible, then uh, then yes, I suppose it will be accessible. So looking forward to more, uh, more on that as it comes along. Not sure if there'll be a concept 
drawing display or anything like that at the Toyota stand. We'll uh, we'll have to get along and see. But rest assured, we'll uh, we'll bring you as much coverage and pictures and whatever else that we can. Uh, driver interviews. Who knows? We might even see you there. Otherwise, follow us on all the social channels. We are at UK Motor Talk. Pretty much everyone Twitter on uh, on YouTube. You name it, we are there. In the meantime, all I've got left to say is thank you very much for listening to my ramblings. Uh, do drop us a line on any of the socials if uh, if you've got any comments on what we've discussed. You've got any thoughts on the Formula One season as it's shaping up. And I'll talk to you next time. Take care. Bye for now. UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.